Behind the men and women who serve our country are fearless leaders who live in the shadows. They stay up late nights praying, worrying, and waiting for phone calls, filling out mountains of paperwork, and keeping research folders on experimental services. But more importantly, they patiently love our heroes back together again. Welcome to your community. No matter what stage you're at, we're here to provide expert resources, faithful support, and real-life insight into how you can move from managing to living your best life. Your hosts, Libby Bates, Shauna Morin, and Erin McCauley, found one another in opposite sides of the country in different stages, but with a common struggle. Together with outside guests and experts, we'll open the resources and support you need. Let's get to the episode. Yeah, tell me a little bit the story behind your podcast, behind the service. How did it get started and what's, what's your guys' mission behind it? We're three veteran spouses and each of us lives in three different states. I'm from Ohio, Aaron's in Oklahoma, Shauna's in Georgia. And we decided to get together and start a podcast and bring on experts and nonprofits, yeah. And veterans, yeah, and tell their stories. And wow, that's great. Yeah, we've never met in person. Ohio. Yeah, okay. Well, really? Well, how's the connection? Uh, did their, your husbands uh, all like serve in the military together? No. No, it's such a weird story. So my husband is permanently disabled, 100%. And I, mm. it was with brain injuries and PTSD, and I didn't really know what was going on with them. And I started mm. researching more and finding out more information about CTE, which is a certain type of blast injury to the brain. I saw a show on CBS and it had Libby's husband was on it. And so I just reached mm. out to her on social media and was like, will you be my friend? I think my husband has this too. So um, it was just kind of like that. And then she happened to know Shauna from working with another nonprofit that Libby kind of was aware of. And so we kind of all, it was a little bit, um, I think for all three of us, I mean, it is a business endeavor for us, but it was also, um, I don't want to call it a coping mechanism, if you will, but it was something that was Mm -hmm. kind of built into our plan of self-care and you know, just trying to navigate life as a caretaker. All three of us are caretakers to our spouses. Mm. So there is a, well, we're the first veteran spouse group to do a a podcast. There's other veterans, but there's no caretakers Mm -hmm. that do this. So yeah, yeah, but I'm sure you guys are finding a niche where uh, a lot of spouses, they don't know where to go to get the help or, you know, just support or just re- relatability, and, and which brings credibility, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we wanted to provide a space for people to just come on and share their stories, whether that's a caregiver, if they're a veteran, a parent, a child, anybody, a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So we're just, anybody that's willing to come on and just talk about things that are important yeah. to our veterans population, come on. That's we're ready great. to have a conversation, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and it great. gives us all a space. We feel like God called us individually mm. each for this mission. And there's just sometimes things in life that don't really make sense. There's no mission besides God 
behind it. Mm -hmm. And we really Mm -hmm. feel that God has led us to this because our faith really has been the driving force of not just the podcast, but really our relationship with one another. And Mm. it's been a lot of fun. We're each kind of finding our own little places, even within this. So we feel like it, we've kind of become a little community, if you will. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Now, can I ask uh, you ladies, uh, um, you know, who, who did your husband serve with? Army, Marines, Air Force, Navy? They were all Army. All right. Go Army. Hey, listeners. Welcome back. We're joined today by a retired Army chaplain, Ed Choi. Welcome to Behind the Service, Ed. Yeah, thank you, um, Libby and Shannon and Erin, for uh, taking the time to uh, interview me and to hear my story. Listeners, we encourage you to join online for more conversations, tips, resources, and fun. Behind the Service podcast is on all your favorite social media platforms. You can find us on all of your podcasting platforms. We finally made it to Pandora, guys. And you can find us online at BehindTheServicePodcast.com. Please make sure you sign up for our newsletter. It goes out weekly and it's full of great tidbits, resources, and more in-depth detail of what we have coming up. Join us on Wednesday mornings for coffee, conversation, and collaboration. It is a wonderful time to get together with our community. We enjoy coffee, we cry, we laugh, and we share in wonderful scripture and prayer as well. So Ed, we'd love to share our guest stories with our listeners. Could you share your military journey with all of us? Currently, I am a retired uh, Army chaplain. I joined before 9-11 took place. If you as a spouse or your husband served during or after 9-11, you know, the military as a whole, we were constantly ramping up, getting ready to deploy. I have personally been deployed three combat deployments, total 40 months in combat, which was twice in Afghanistan, uh, 03, 04, and then 06, 07 in, in Iraq, and then in Afghanistan, 010, 011. When I retired in 2000. Of 14, I was considered the most deployed chaplain in the Army. And so it took a toll on me. I, uh, I, I'm also a Purple Heart recipient. For those who don't know what that is, I was wounded in combat due to an IED incident, had a traumatic brain injury, um, and deal with PTSD. And so that's uh, really a nutshell, my military service. But I would like to share with you and your audience, you know, what I do currently with the Birdwell Foundation. Absolutely. We want to hear about it. I'm hoping that you were able to incorporate some of your previous military experience. Being diagnosed with PTSD and coming out of the military, retiring in 2014, I've had a lot of issues, especially the first two years. First, the transition was very difficult, going from being active duty and constantly deploying and getting ready to deploy and then try to find some normalcy as a civilian. That was very, very challenging, very difficult. You know, while you're in the military, at least you have a safety net uh, with your other fellow guys you serve with. You know, you could even uh, truly understand um, some of the challenges, whether it's PTSD or whether it's uh, family issues, whether it's just a challenges a military a person or spouses or family go through. But when I got out, it was hard to find people or group of people who had similar experiences and were able to relate to. So it wasn't until about two years later after I retired, uh, I came across the Birdwell Foundation. 
the Birdlove Foundation was founded by a gentleman who resides in Houston, Texas. And uh, he himself is a um, veteran, um, but um, he, by the grace of God, was very, very successful. He, um, through real estate and, and through oil um, uh, in Houston, and um, he was asking a question, what are we doing to help our veterans after coming back from combat? Okay. And, um, and he was a Christian man, and he wanted to provide some kind of support and help um, to our veterans and spouses. Um, but there wasn't really anything out there besides the VA, okay? But, but he, um, uh, as a Christian man, felt that, um, that really the hope and healing comes uh, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? And so I came across this organization uh, because I wanted to be part of a, a group that, um, um, you know, that understands that God is the ultimate healer and that, um, that I could be a part of a group where I could be, um, um, how do I say it, be able to be honest and candid uh, without any stigma with, uh, and without any shame um, um, and, and also have, re, you know, relatability. I talked about that a little bit, right? Having relatability creates credibility. And so I start um, joining one of the support groups. We call it warrior groups. And these are all guys who were deployed to combat and have been diagnosed with PTSD. And we started just sharing our stories, sharing our challenges, um, our, um, you know, whether it's from PTSD to relational issues to um, employment issues, uh, whatever topic that we were going through, we were able to like talk and share. Um, and it really was to me um, the most helpful in healing time in my period. Now, let me give you a little background. Before I got out, I was on nine different kind of prescription medication, and I'm sure your spouses probably went through the same thing, right? You you go yeah, see a psychiatrist. This is a commonality with everybody that we seem to talk to with veterans mm-hmm. and our spouses. It's a total right, yeah, commonality for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, when you go see a psychiatrist or psychologist um, in the in the military, they just want to like I know they mean well, right? But they just want to medicate us, right? And um, I did not like how I felt. And what I mean by that is this: I couldn't feel anything. The medication just numbed my feelings, suppressed my issues. Okay, um, and so I started to. Um, slowly wean off these medications, right? But it was this group where um, uh, guys would come and share their stories, provide support, right? Insight, um, encouragement. Um, and sometimes, you know, poke each other in the chest saying, hey, you know what? Yes, we've been victimized because PTSD, but hey, you know what? We could grow from it. And so from there, um, I actually came up with a term that, um, you know, with the help of our family, the help of other fellow veterans, um, that we could go from PTSD, which everybody's familiar with, right, to PTSG, what I call post-traumatic stress growth. Um, I love that. And that we could grow, yeah, and we could grow from that. Um, and, um, and by the grace of God, that, that um, as Apostle Paul talks about, right, in the scriptures, that when I'm weak, um, that's where I find 
God's grace to be sufficient. Okay. And by the way, I'm not here to like, you know, give you a, uh, a little sermonette, but you know, that text comes from first, second Corinthians, um, uh, was it chapter 12 or is it first Corinthians? Oh, I should know. Right. I was a chaplain, but anyways, <laughs> um, Paul talks about it as a thorn in the flesh. Okay. And, um, after doing a study of that text and look at the context, Paul talks about all the traumatic experience he had, right? He was shipwrecked. He was in dangers of his own countrymen, dangers in the wild. He was in prison. He was beaten. You know, all these traumatic experiences he went through, the chapter prior to that. And then in chapter 12, he talks about this thorn in the flesh. And, you know, for me as a veteran who experienced trauma in combat, I, I believe that that thorn is PTSD. Okay. But, you know, the Apostle Paul didn't consider himself a victim, but he considered himself someone who was um, broken and needed, needed God's grace and uh, found God's grace to be sufficient um, in dealing with his own, I believe, was PTSD. Well, he had his own military background, if you will. Like he was part of the group that, well, he kind of led the group that stoned Stephen. Yeah, so he, he, yeah, he was hunting down Christians. Yeah. It takes you back to that song that I remember being raised in church and hearing that be careful little eye what you see for the father up above is looking down in love. I agree with you. This is, this is great stuff, man. You're right up my alley. So keep going. All Don't right. worry. <laughs> So what happened was I went from being part of this group called the Warrior Groups that the Birdwell Foundation host uh, started in Texas, and now it's spread across the U.S. Um, and then I, um, they actually brought me on board as a, um, what do you call it, a veteran coordinator to help start other groups. Now, this was in Washington, because that's where I retired from, Washington State. Um, and... Um, and within two years, I was able to start um, three warrior groups. Uh, and, um, and during that journey, too, what we also discovered was this, uh, that spouses were struggling with their husbands with PTSD. And we call that, I don't know if you've heard of this term before, we call it secondhand PTSD. Okay. Now, many of you have heard of secondhand smoking, right? Uh, and if you're around um, a loved one and you, you, you know, you ladies, you tell me, thank you so much for your support um, to your um, spouses who are dealing with PTSD uh, or uh, TBI. Um, and God bless each of you. Uh, I know it's not easy. I know it's uh, sometimes you feel like you're at loss and, and uh, not knowing where to find the help and support. But for you ladies to find um, help and support with each other, that's awesome. And I know there are hundreds of thousands of other spouses um, who struggle, right? And, and, uh, and you wonder why there's such a high uh, um, percentage of divorce um, and domestic violence um, in the veteran community. Um, but, you know, we're, we found out that there's also what we call secondhand PTSD, where spouses are traumatized from the trauma that they're um, you know, service um, members, loved ones have experienced. And so we started starting up family support groups, okay, 
And if you're in the army, you know, you've heard of the FRG, right? Family readiness group. Yeah, okay. yep, yep. It's me. Yeah, right. Okay. So it's very similar to, to that. Uh, it's where we uh, allow spouses like yourself to meet on, on a regular basis, whether in person or on Zoom, to find the help and support they need and the challenges they go through. I moved back to, excuse me, moved back down to California. And now I've served as the chapter director of California and starting up warrior groups and um, starting up family support groups to help with PTSD. So that's really my journey currently, but I'm open to any questions that you might have right now. Do they do those virtually now since, you know, COVID's happening? Are you guys doing yeah. like virtual groups, obviously? Or I guess yeah. obviously some people aren't doing virtual. But Yeah, you know, I live in California and, you know, California is a very, very strict state right now. And so most of our groups, virtual meetings. I was going to say, don't ever apologize to preaching for us because we we love learning about the word of God and we love sharing the word of God with our listeners. I actually had the opportunity. I worked for the Diocese of Helena in Montana, and we had a chaplain in our diocese, and I actually was able to get to know Father Brian pretty well. And I don't think a lot of people understand how you get to be a chaplain in the military. I mean, I didn't really realize it until I just was starting to get going into the military myself. So I just want to say you, because it's a path that you do after you had experienced a little bit of life and could you share more about how your transition from the military back into the civilian world and what that looked like for us yeah thanks for that question um Shannon. Uh, i uh, as i uh, share, uh, you know shared earlier that i serve as a chaplain in the army and and you know as a chaplain in the army we weren't just what do you call it, ministers who uh, taught or preached the word of God. If a unit had a good chaplain, right, the chaplain was the, the first support that a soldier would find, right? Before they would go to um, many times a commander or to a um, psychiatrist or counselor, man, they would go seek the chaplain. And so for me as a chaplain, I wore many hats. Like I was a counselor, I was a teacher, I was a, I was a mentor. Did you ever have a PWOC? Were you ever in charge of that? I was always involved with PWOC, yes, as a chaplain, you know, and um, and always supported the chaplain programs. And, you know, my wife was very much involved in it. As a, and she, um, she led PWC. I think one time we were stationed in Korea. Um, and so um, being sort of like, um, uh, how would I say it, like, uh, many, many skills and many hats in the military and coming out. And now, you know, I still, I'm still part of a church and I still serve in my time, the volunteer time that I have with the church. And um, for me to be able to bring some of the skills from the chaplaincy into the civilian uh, congregation has been really, really helpful, actually. Whether just teaching, preaching, I also do counseling. And that's what chaplains did. Many, and most of the things that we would provide was counseling, whether it's marital counseling, individual needs counseling, and even even the fact that I'm not a psychiatrist because the chaplaincy and the mental health in the military would um, cooperate.
and work together really in uh, closely that I'm, I'm, a, I'm able to today bring some insight and understanding for those who go through mental health issues. Even if, even though I'm not a, you know, what would we call it, a psychiatrist or psychologist, I, I understand the terms, I understand um, some of the diagnose. I mean, I myself been diagnosed with PTSD, so um, that really helps now dealing with people who have PTSD that is not combat related, right? We have people uh, who've been traumatized because of, you name it, physical abuse, sexual abuse, or being involved in an accident or, or near-death experiences. And so my experience in the military has definitely helped me to be a better uh, minister in the civilian world. Then what motivated you to get involved with the Birdwell Foundation? There in Texas, I initially got involved with a friend of mine who was also, you know, combat veteran, PTSD, and you know, like I shared earlier, invited me to be part of a warrior group, and I just saw that it worked. I just saw the fruits of it. I just saw how, like, getting together with fellow combat veterans with PTSD, there was an instant credibility. And you probably know what I'm talking about, right? Your your husbands, like, they won't talk to anybody else with their issues. Maybe not even with you, but men that get together with the guy they serve with, right? Or uh, someone who been to Iraq or Afghanistan, there's instant like credibility and they start opening up, start talking about their experiences and, and the stuff that they've gone through. I mean, it's just like, that's what like I was yearning for. And that's what a lot of veterans yearn for. Now, back in the days, right, in World War II veterans, they would come back and they would what is it, join the VFW, uh, the right? Veterans of foreign wars, or what is it? Some of the other like places that they will go to, but young young veterans they don't go to yeah they don't uh, do that. you know right yeah. they don't go to VFWs or just these places that then when you walk in it's like a time warp you look like you're in the sixties or in the fifties okay <laughs> um, yeah and so we meet in coffee shops right or we meet in someone's home or, or you know we meet at an office space that is that is available or at a, at a church building that, that the church um, opens up its uh, doors. So, um, you know, I saw what it did for me. And it, it was a process of healing. Um, and so because of that, I want to get involved in something that I myself experienced healing and to also offer that to any veteran um, who has been struggling with PTSD. That's why I got involved with the Birdwell Foundation. And then the second, I think the most important issue, you know, it was because the Birdwell Foundation believes that, that God is the ultimate healer. And, and it's a relationship with um, the, the, the Lord Jesus that brings healing in the, in the soul. Um, there, there's another term uh, I'm going to throw out to you ladies, uh, and I would encourage you to look into it. It's called the, uh, uh, what's the term? It's going blank on me now. Uh, if it comes back, I'll, 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 I'll share it with you. Um, uh, but it's it's about uh, um, about the, the wounded soul, okay? And um, the moral and injury. That's for, moral injury. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Thank yeah. you. Oh wow, so yeah. you you know about the moral yeah. injury? Yeah. Okay. So you know that's the thing where the VA misses it, right? Um, the VA deals with just the physical or just the mental, right? And they miss the fact that human beings are are are, are souls, 
Okay. And then when we go through trauma, there is a, there is a damage or brokenness in the soul, which, um, you know, today people call it moral injury. Okay. And it's so interesting the more I read about the moral injury, when you look at like American Indians, okay, or you look at the Spartans, uh, you look at the Roman uh, soldiers, um, you know, you look at the history, or you look at the, the Jewish soldiers, right? That when they came back from combat, they always had a religious component to it. Like they had, they had some kind of like washing ceremony. All right. When you look at the Old Testament, you talk about soldiers that come back from trauma. I mean, um, they come back from war and they were not uh, they were not allowed to integrate into society too quickly. OK, that they had to go through like washing ceremonies. Right. And they had to uh, offer a sacrifice. And what is all that? You know, and, and you hear about like um, uh, like, like American Indians would do the same thing. And there's a book by a guy named Dr. Edward Tick, it's called The War and the Soul, okay, by Edward Tick. It's called The War and the Soul. And this is what's so interesting about his writing is that he's not even a, a, like a believer. He's not even religious. He's just a secular psychiatrist that, that did a research on other societies and how they dealt with soldiers coming from, back from war. And every single society had a religious component to it. And what is that? It is to deal with the soul, right? The moral injury, the, the, the damaging of the soul when someone sees combat and the trauma, the, you know, a death of an enemy or death of their own fellow brother and sisters who, you know, served side by side in combat. And so that's so intriguing that a, a secular psychiatrist is able to discover that. And so the Burble Foundation, going back, to you know, to answer your question is that because we believe that God is the ultimate healer, and that God uses families, support groups, fellow veterans who themselves been traumatized and able to provide support and healing in this journey from PTSD to PTSD. I love that you put a, it's not a positive spin on it. I hate to use the word spin because that has such a negative connotation with it, you know, but it's kind of like admitting and showing that growth can come through it because like my husband is a very intense person, right? You know, he was a combat engineer. So you have to be a little bit, a little intense just to, um, you know, decide to do that as a job. You can do so many good things. You know, there's so many veterans that come home and I feel like they get stuck a little bit. And I love that um, because it's, it's just true. You know, God can, he loves you too much to leave you where you are, but he loves you enough to take you as you are. I don't know. I I cannot put it into words, which usually must mean it means something because that's not something that I can do often. I love the way that that this is being put all together through the Bird Birdwell Foundation. What types of services are available? And then also, is it just in certain locations or now is it pretty much nationwide because of being able to be on Zoom? Currently, we are in eight different states and we try to locate or startup groups that is near or close to a large military community or near a military base, okay? And so if you go on to our website, www.birdwellfoundation.org, 
and you can scroll down all the chapters that are available and that we have a um, you know a 877 number that people could call if they look or they're seeking for a support group and then um, last year we actually brand, branched out to support our first responders we were finding out that you know a lot of military veterans who served right our nation tend to want to serve and so they join the police force or they join the fire or be an EMT and so we are now also providing support for all of our first responders that struggle with PTSD and if, if there's anyone listening uh, on your podcast and they live in the Southern California area um, they um, could always look me up on the website or send me an email at edward.choi C-H-O-I, at birdablefoundation.org. I absolutely love that. My husband, when he left the service, he did become a firefighter. And Libby's husband, he was an MP, and he went on to work as a correctional officer. So you hit the nail on the head. It is very Mm -hmm. relevant. I would like to ask, how can we, especially in this day and age, 2020 was a crazy year, 2021 already is a crazy year, how can we help change the conversation of mental health and the stigma behind it to a more positive one and help reach more veterans and service members so they aren't as anxious. (laughs) Yeah. Well, ladies, thank you again. You guys are asking some the right questions, really. Um, I think, um, you know, I think we have to just um, inform the public, you know, like, like your platform the podcast, right? The more information people get, the more people understand that this is not, uh, it should not be a stigma, right? And this is a thing that really, really, for me, was frustrating to a lot of veterans too, okay? Um, um, you know, if, 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 if one of us loses an arm or a leg in combat, okay? People see that, right? People see, man, hey, that person is a handicap, okay? And there's a lot of, compassion there's a lot of like uh, understanding okay but uh, ptsd is an invisible wound like people can't see it you know and sometimes i I don't know how your husband's feel but sometimes i would wish that i lost an arm or lost a leg that people know how broken i am inside okay and it's uh, mental health is is as as important um as physical health Okay. I would say that mental health is more important than the physical health because without a, um, what is it, a healthy mental health that you can't function physically. Okay. If you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with uh, constant vigilance, right? Uh, these are symptoms of PTSD. Okay. And so uh, I think, you know, first of all, what you ladies are doing is awesome. I want, I just want to just encourage you and just keep doing it. Get the word out, get the information out. And the more people hear about like what veterans and first responders go through, the less the stigma, right? And, and, and information is power. And information is, is like a light in the dark. And so um, I think how we go about doing it is just keep um, getting the word out. That's why I love being, doing these podcasts. I've done maybe a dozen podcasts where people ask me, interview me, because I just want the truth to get out there. That yes, PTSD is a mental health issue, okay? But it doesn't mean that there's not something redemptive out of it, that there's not 
some good that comes out of it. And myself and hundreds of other veterans that I know have gone from PTSD and got the help. And now they're healthy, productive, caring, compassionate, loving, um, you know, members of society. I love that. I enjoy having these conversations to hear others' perspectives on that, on this conversation of PTSD or traumatic brain injury, because I know Aaron maybe brought up the, the traumatic brain injury issue as well. And it's conversations like these where we hear others' perspectives, but at the same time, there's such a commonality with all of the conversations. It's always yeah. the same thing, you know? It truly is. So how... How can our listeners get involved with the Birdwell Foundation? You said that you're starting up groups in a variety of areas across the country. Is there ways that they can sign up to be involved in that process? Or you said talking about starting local organizations. Yeah, absolutely. So there there are so many ways to get involved. First of all, uh, uh, I would encourage your listeners, okay, if you're a veteran or a first responder, there's help and there's hope for you, okay? Our motto is um, um, no one heals alone. No one heals alone, okay? And that there are groups uh, like ourselves, um, and that's saying that you have to get involved in Birdwell Foundation and find a warrior group with us, but there are other groups out there. We are committed, I can speak for the Birdwell Foundation, in helping and supporting veterans and first responders. And the way we go about doing it is this. Okay. First of all, we do what we call one-on-one mentorship. Okay. Now in the Christian circles, we call it discipleship, but because, you know, many of our veterans are not Christians or they, they don't come with a faith background and not to scare them off. Right. We call it mentorship. Okay. And it's about like speaking and walking and living with them. It's not a counseling session because I know veterans. They don't want to go see a counselor. Yeah, you you bring up the word therapy and you they've like shut themselves <laughs> off, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, mentorship so, is a better way of putting it. <laughs> absolutely. And it's such a, uh, you know, the thing about like, you know, male and female is that females are comfortable with face-to-face, okay? But men tend to be more comfortable what I call side-by-side, okay? And so... As we do things together, we talk about these issues, right? Whether we go hiking, whether we go taking them fishing, right? Or we go hunting or go to a shooting range or, 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 or go on a ride on a motorcycle, okay? You know, you ladies are nodding right now, right? Okay? Yeah. Men like to do things side by side. And so we try to create events and activities to do things together, but we're very intentional. So we talk about, hey... How are you doing right now? What's your relationship like with your spouse? You know, are, are, you, are you doing okay with, you know, like your medication or has it been uh, helpful or frustrating going to get help at the VA? And then, and then guys start opening up and they start sharing like, man, you know, because we could relate, we could understand. We have the lingo, right? We understand the culture. We understand the struggle. So it's like there's that instant relatability, but we call that mentorship. Okay, and so when a guy or you know or, or, or gal who feels comfortable, right, talking about it, then we would invite them to what we call it warrior groups. This is support groups. Okay, again, trying to take away the stigma, right? We call it, you know, just the name alone. Okay, it's not a bunch of weak crybabies. Okay, these are warrior groups, 
And when they joined the Warrior Group, they'll find out, man, this guy was a ranger. Wow. This guy's this guy was with the, the, the special ops or a combat engineer or infantry, right? And they're dealing with the same issues that I'm dealing with. And so, so that's a second level of support we provide. It's called warrior groups, okay? And then we, I, I mentioned to, you know, spouses groups that we have called it family support groups. Right now we have uh, three uh, across the nation, but these um, groups could be joined anywhere across the U.S. because, because of Zoom. Um, and so those are the things that we do to help veterans. And so, again, um, you know, if your audience is listening, if you're a veteran or first responder, you know, please reach out to us. And uh, for those who are not, veterans or first responders and your spouse okay we have support groups for spouses but maybe you're not a spouse of a veteran or first responder or you just want to help well uh, we are a nonprofit organization and you know what that means right um i don't understand why they say nonprofit because you need some profit to run our right organization. right it's a run on donations <laughs> exactly yes. yeah, right. so listeners so, if you, you know, feel like you need to do or feel like you can donate this year to a veterans nonprofit, Birdwell Foundation. How can they? Yeah, absolutely. To yeah, yeah, absolutely. They could go online at, the, like I said, www.birdwellfoundation.org and um, click on donate and you could um, give whatever God places in your heart. Um, now, two weeks from now, we, we actually partnered with Chick-fil-A. I don't know if you ladies like Chick-fil-A. Um, I absolutely and, love right Chick-fil-A. It. It's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, it's delicious yeah. and it's quick, even if there's a long line. Yeah, we always absolutely. have long lines in Georgia. It like wraps around the whole build, the block every day. So yeah. we're all Chick-fil-A fans. Yeah. There is one here in Oklahoma. It's uh, one of the more, um, it's kind of an upscale little community around the metro area and their chick-fil-a got so busy and cluttered that they literally tore down the building demolished the building just to move it to a different portion of their property so they could better fit people in and it was like yeah you never see anybody tear down a perfectly good building but Chick-fil-A, oh, wow. because they have Chick-fil-A the money did, to yeah. stick it right back up. They moved it, like, across the parking lot for logistical reasons. Yeah, that's great. So uh, Chick-fil-A and Birdwell Foundation, we have a, a, a partnership. And depending on each location, right, because each location is owned by a, a, their a individual operator or owner, there might be a Chick-fil-A out there that when you drive through and you say, I'm here for the Birdwell Foundation, you know, they'll give whatever you spend, 20% of the proceeds to Birdwell Foundation. I, I have one coming up in California, um, and it's, it's at the, um, La, what do you call it, um, Bonaparte location on 21st January, you know, because Chick-fil-A closes on Sunday, and uh, they don't do fundraisers on Friday and Saturday, so we, uh, every month, we're, we're choosing the 20th, to 21st, 22nd of the month, right, um, to, first of all, recognize, right, the 20 to 22 suicides of veterans, um, and Chick-fil-A love that idea. And so um, for this month, January, if you're in the California, Southern California area, go by Chick-fil-A at um, located on Buena Park um, and tell them you're here for the Birdo Foundation. And it doesn't really cost you anything just to get in line, order food, and they're just going to automatically give 20% the proceeds to the Birdo Foundation. Okay. And so there are many ways to get involved, even if you're not a veteran or first responder. Um, but if you love veterans and uh, support our first responders and you just want to donate um, whatever, $20 to $200, 
um, every every dollar will go towards directly helping our veterans and first responders and their spouses. Yeah, I love it. So you've given us a few nuggets of advice um, in your time with us, but what advice specifically would you give to veterans or their caregivers who are struggling? Yeah, um, I got three things in mind. One, first of all, you are not alone. Okay, Maybe today you're listening to this podcast, you came across the podcast and you feel hopeless and you feel at lost and you feel alone. I want you to know you are not alone. Uh, even this podcast, um, these ladies, Libby and Erin and um, and Shanann, you know, there are hundreds of spouses like these ladies. They understand and they're there. And even if you live hundreds of miles away, if you reach out, I'm sure these ladies would sit with you um, and talk to you and hear your story and to help you and support you. And so, you know, whether you're a spouse or a veteran, know that you are not alone. Okay. Second of all, Okay. Yes. Uh, um, you know, being traumatized and having PTSD, sometimes you feel like you are a victim. Okay. But I believe, right, by the grace of God, you could go from being a victim to a victor. Those are all fantastic. And uh, you brought tears to my eyes. I'm not going to lie. I needed to hear that today. And I don't know who else did, but I'm sure many of our listeners, as well as probably Libby and Aaron, did. You answered my next question of how our Listeners can find you. So I'm going to ask you an off-the-cuff question. Mm-hmm. What has been your favorite moment working with the Birdwell Foundation? If you could pick just one. I would say over two or three dozens of veterans who, when I first met them, some of them were homeless. Um, some of them were, are addicted to drugs, a lot of a prescription medication, and even suicidal. And then now seeing them today, um, healthy, active, productive um, citizens, that's really, that's really um, what motivates me. You know, I, you know, we can't save everyone, right? Um, we can't help everyone. Um, um, but the past four years of being part of the Birdwell Foundation and able to see people's lives transformed and their marriages saved and their families restored. Man, that's that's the, those are the things that motivates me, and that gets me driving drive me to continue to do what I do as a fellow veteran who served in combat and diagnosed with PTSD and TBI. Um, and so, yeah, thanks for asking those questions. And ladies, thank you. God bless you so much for what you're doing. Uh, people need to hear what you're doing. People need to hear what the support you guys provide and bringing light to this. Uh, uh, you know, this this enemy we call PTSD. This week, I would love to encourage you to go and get a hold of the Birdwell Foundation. Join one of their warrior support groups if you are a veteran. If you have a veteran, encourage them to join one as well. If you are the spouse, I would love for you to join one of their support groups. They're on Zoom. You can do it from wherever, in your pajamas if you really wanted to. And it's just another great way to get involved. I also would love to encourage you to check out Reboot Recovery. They are another fantastic nonprofit organization who is helping heal moral injury and PTSD in our warfighter community. We end our podcast each week with a scripture. And 
This week, we're going to read out of Hebrews chapter 10, um, verse 24 through 25, and this is out of the New Living Translation. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And Libby, I think you picked this, didn't you? I love that you picked this because it goes along really, really well with the Birdwell Foundation, really in what their mission is, because we, number one, we shouldn't neglect our meeting together because that in the body of Christ is where we find a lot of our strength in one another. I think one of some of the most powerful things to me are going to conferences or going even to church on Sundays and worshiping as a group. And there's a lot of energy that can come from that. And then, of course, thinking of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works, because I've found this particularly true in my life, that whenever I have idle time, that's usually a good place for the devil to come in and start to play around. And these young ladies have motivated me. My husband does the same thing. And it's kind of like finding something of good intent to do today. You know, a lot of times we come away from the military lifestyle. We don't have a mission. You know, even Mm -hmm. as a spouse, I don't have, you know, a load, like I don't have all of this laundry to clean. You know, my husband's here every day. You know, we're kind of both getting used to this life of transition. And if we didn't have good intention really there of I'm going to be productive and positive, he gets on our Facebook page, our support page, and he evangelizes. That is, that's what, what I ask him to do. And I notice it helps him tremendously in his psychology, in his mind, yeah. because he's able to share the gospel that's in his heart and he feels feels compelled to do so. So there's, it's not that the Bible is the, it's not necessarily that it's psychology. But if it, it, if there was any perfect psychology, the you know Christ is it, and that's because he wrote us. He yes. knows the code, right? Absolutely. So he can unlock it too. Well, preach it, Aaron. Sorry, I got got a I, I can get a little right? long sometimes. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's so great. This is so good. Yeah. Well, ladies, I want to encourage you. Y'all keep up the good work. Okay. Um, and appreciate this opportunity to share my story and to share the work the Birdwell Foundation is doing. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Service podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, we leave us a review. It helps more people like you find us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>